Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. It's already June 23rd. Summer's over. <laughs> Done. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of inside cars, woke up this morning. Uh, thieves were inside mine. What? Mm-hmm. So they took the change and some gum, I think. That's all I can see. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's really comes down to the fact that you uh, were an extremely disappointing uh, robbery target? Mm-hmm. There's a toy here that is making noise. It's like singing a song or something, and I can't, I can't place it. Just give me one second. I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. It's in here. Can you hear that? It's this thing. Oh, it's a Santa sleigh. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Oh, is it Brad Pitt? Because I had a dream the other night. Brad Pitt was holding my baby and dropped her. Seems like something Brad would do. Mm -hmm. If I just lightly sand these pieces of wood, I'm going to be a millionaire. And that's what happened. Jenga. It's just wood. Mm -hmm. Until next time, keep fit and have fun. Yes. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast, brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Dons. 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 Yeah, I'm doing that part because Jay's not here. Welcome to the Jay and Dan Podcast. My name is uh, Dan O'Toole. It is June 30th. It's the last day of June in the year 2020. Happy pre-Canada Day. Hopefully you're going to have a blast with friends and family and uh, the people that are in your social. I wonder if anyone is regretting their social circle. They're like, yeah, we shouldn't have joined up with that crew. They are not right in the head. Um, Yeah, something to think about. Yeah, Jay's off this week. And as I said on our TV show... Hang on, hang on. My daughters are FaceTiming us. Let me get this. Hi, I'm just taping the podcast. Can I uh, Can I call you back? Yeah. Okay. I love okay. you. Love you, bye. Right. That was my daughter, Sydney O'Toole, uh, chiming in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, hi there. That's right. I'm on my back deck and people just walk by. Um, what was I talking about their stuff? Yes, Jay's away. Oh, Jay, Jay's on vacation. And as, I, and as I mentioned on the TV show, you can't go anywhere. You can't travel anywhere. So if you're having a vacation at home, just say you're at an all-inclusive because your house is essentially an all-inclusive. You can have everything in your house. So Jay's at an all-inclusive this week. Nice. Um, yeah, exactly. Must be nice. You ever go to an all-inclusive by day two, you're like, God, this food's bad. Because a lot of places, it's just like the same food refried in a slightly different sauce. Exactly. If you're lucky. Yeah. Um, the first time I went to Cuba, by day two, I was dreaming of Big Macs. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, we're calling up our guest today, uh, James Duffy. He's joining us on this Skype phone. We're, we're taping a podcast here, James. Try to act professional. Oh, my phone is dying, so I, I was trying to answer on my computer, Dano, and uh, I couldn't get it on in time, and I worried Stoff would get mad at me when I didn't answer. So, <laughs> uh, Can we see? We don't see your video yet. Yeah. Hold on a second. Here I am. There he is. James Death, the man who let an entire company down on a golf course today. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> okay, so let's set this up. Uh, James, welcome to the podcast. First time uh, caller. 
uh, longtime listener. Um, you're at your home. Um, you had a charity golf te- uh, golf event today. It was Team yeah. Duffy against Team Dubis. So it yeah. was you and Jeff O'Neill. I didn't right. know he was such a good golfer. He's almost a scratch golfer. And um, Kyle Dubas, the GM of the Leafs, chose Jerry D, our good buddy. I didn't know Jerry was a great golfer. Very and good. Team Dubas won this event. Mm-hmm. And you had, a, I guess, a large lead on the front nine? Five-stroke lead, Dan. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened? Uh, I mean... There's a long, convoluted story I could give you, Dan. But in in essence, I just don't have that much talent. And uh, no, uh, you you sell yourself short because when you, you play with James Duffy, you're uh, like, um, he didn't have a great round because he doesn't. James, you don't do anything spectacular. I'm not saying that in a bad way. You just are slow and steady, and you'll be like, yeah, I shot an eighty. You're like, what? But you didn't make like a yeah, one. Kind of, I kind of, kind of, I find a way, right? I got yeah. a little. I don't get back very far. My back's swaying, and I got to have that shoulder surgery, and I'm trying to make excuses now, but uh, <laughs> I find a way to, but this is not like, it's not the best format. You ever play in those scrambles, like even corporate tournaments, right? Where I love it because then you can, you can just hammer every drive with. Yeah, you, you know. can, but it cut, this is all, it was like the different alternate shot that I'll tell you a quick story. So okay. we were rolling along. We were rolling along today, and O-Dog was playing well. I was playing pretty well. I'm incredibly streaky, and that's what I mean when I say I have no talent. Uh, like I can head, have a really good round and usually followed by a terrible round. So uh, we were on, I don't know what hole we were, maybe like 11 or 12, and O-Dog had hit a good drive, and uh, we were in control. And I hit a uh, – We could. I should have just hit like a little layoff iron, but tried to hit like this – long hybrid and i hit it literally down sideways about 20 yards into the trees and we made we made an eight and that's when it all kind of went south and i i will say i am because i don't have that much talent i have a i'm a i have a very fragile mental golf game and so when it's when it goes south dan i i tend to not be able to stop the bleeding mm. is it maybe so it went south it sounds like at the turn here's what i always my mistake is when I don't eat at the turn, and then I start to play. Did you not eat? That's true. I did not eat, but I'm not going to blame it. I'm not going to blame it on the eating. I will say this: Look, Jerry, like we were. Jerry started slow, but he's a very good player, and he he was awesome on the back. And Kyle made some good shots. So, damn, there's nothing I can do. We raised a lot of money for charity, but I did suck. I'm gonna. Always, <laughs> I'm gonna be like like rabbit in uh, in Eight Mile, you know, where I just admit all my faults, and then there's no comebacks except probably doesn't work because um james we played a montage of this uh, charity golf event on our tv show yeah and it was all clips of you did jeff o'neill not have a microphone or did he not speak he, so jeff is very quiet <laughs> it, amazingly for how he is on television and on the radio when you golf with him he's just quiet and that's not like a, a you know he just says when he golfs he just likes to play golf and that was one thing i kind of knew came coming in to say because i played with Jeff, yesterday we played a practice round, and when Jeff's playing poorly, he's quiet. When Jeff's playing great, which is usual, he's quiet. He's just quiet. And so being the TV guy today, and I know Jerry was just going to be, like, nonstop. Like, from the moment Jerry got out of his car, and this was smart, you know, he's a stand-up comedian, so he just wanted to get into my head and into Jeff's head. But And so I knew for television purposes I had to try to come back 
So I, I was yapping with Jerry the whole time, but O wasn't saying anything. So Jerry gave up on chirping <laughs> O because O never chirped anything back. And yeah. so it was just, it was a relentless chirpathon for four and a half hours on me, which apparently worked because, uh, like I said, I kind of sucked down the stretch. But uh, I, I no, talked. O, o was very quiet. And, uh, but it's fun. It's intimidating you're playing with O because, you know, he is a really good player. And, uh, he's, you know, he's also kind of sarcastic. So, you know, if I, he's not like the most, you know, if I hit that shot into the woods, say with you, Danny, you'd probably say, all right, Jimmy, get him next shot. Whereas O would be like, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you better get your ass together. But we, uh, you know, the worst part is I'll say this about golf. Like, uh, I could do TV in front of whatever million people and my heart rate wouldn't change, right? And I know you're the same way. We're comfortable. That's our comfort zone. Yeah. But golf is different. And it, the microphones and the cameras didn't bug me so much. But when you feel like you're letting your teammate down, that, that it is hard. And it only takes like 5% more, more nerves. And I'll just admit it. Like the nerves got to me. We were on 17. Jeff and I were in the middle of the, first of all, I hit a terrible tee shot. But we were playing scramble the last six holes. So Jeff hit a great shot. So we were like 70 yards out in the middle of fairway, maybe not even 70, maybe 50, like nothing. I could have putted the ball onto the green, Dan, and Jeff hit a rare bad shot where he sculled it. So now the pressure was all on me because Dubas and Jerry were like eight feet away for birdie and their match is tied. And I chunked it as, as chunky as you can. And the funny thing is, like, I, you know, I practice a lot. I'm the only reason I'm half decent at golf is because I practice a lot. And I have like four different ways I could hit that shot. And you kind of panicked in your brain, and I just kind of did this hybrid version of all of them that just didn't work at all. Like, I literally tried a stance at a shot that I'd never, ever do, because I was like, ah, my brain was working 100 <laughs> miles an hour. So it was, yeah, that, that part of it was a disaster, but we raised a lot of money for charity, and I, it, it's good. The thing I love about golf is it humbles you greatly, Dan, and it makes me realize how limited athletic, what limited athletic ability I actually have. Um, you're the only golfer that took part that didn't wear pants. Did you regret that decision yeah, no, or did you think it was the right no. call? I was a hundred percent the right call. I mean, ask you and Stoss can weigh in on this. It was 29 degrees Celsius. Every PGA tour player, Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods, they play golf in shorts all the time, including their practice rounds. And these three clowns say, oh, let's look like, let's look like PGA pros and wear their pants. I have no regrets and I do not have, you know, very uh, attractive calves or anything, but come on, you're with me on this, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Short blocking is just stupid. Do you wear gold bond? <laughs> I, I do not. I don't sweat. I'm not a. Prof I don't sweat profusely. You know. Well, what neither I do, do I. I but it gets. You've what? You put vas I put Vaseline on my feet. Why? What? So when I used to, we go to Cabot used most years, except for this year and. You play like 36 a day for three days, and I would get really bad blisters. And somebody told me to put Vaseline like in between your toes and your feet. So that's become a habit for me when I golf. I put Vaseline all over my feet. Does it not feel squishy? Eh, just for the first couple of minutes. Then it's kind of fun. Go. Here's a tip, though. Get the extra strength gold bond. Give a squirt front and back, and then like you move a certain way and you re-release it while on the golf course. It's like you, a trip to heaven for a second. I've never even tried the gold bond. I used to just put baby powder in there, but then somebody said it like causes cancer and you can't have babies or something. So I would yeah. stop that gold bonds. Yeah. I would recommend that they should sponsor your pod. 
<laughs> we already have a sponsor, McDonald's. Oh, By the way, I got, I got a Big Mac yesterday. Every Big Mac I get, it looks like it's straight from the commercial. Like every single one. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a delicious burger. Quarter pounder cheese was always my thing. Quarter pounder cheese, six McNuggets. Uh, now, 10% battery power, but you know what I can do? I can actually plug my battery in. And Oh, you know what I can do? I forgot. I have this fancy charger thing I bought. This is going to be fun. You can just stick it. You don't even have to plug anything in. You stick it You stick it on a stand. Look at, look at the stand. You stick it there and it's charging like magic. Is that an iPhone? That's an iPhone. Huh. Um, James, uh, how was uh, Kyle Dubas as a golfer? Uh, you know what? He, uh, I don't think he gets to golf a ton. You can tell he has a really good swing. Um, so he, he, he struggled a little bit off the tee, but he was clutch in the end. Like, whereas I started off well and got worse, Kyle didn't start off great and got better. And he made a huge putt for them at 17. I, you know, he's such a nice guy though. I got to say he's a, he's a real gentleman. I, I've interviewed him obviously. I've never spent time with him before until, until today. And uh, quiet too. He's quiet like Jeff, but he's just a, he's just a he's just a nice guy. So I could tell that if he played, like if he had time to play, if he wasn't, you know, doing all those uh, beautiful mind numbers about salaries in his head the whole time, I, I think he'd be a pretty good player. Um, I talked to Jerry. He called me after the round, and I have Did to he tell you, he destroy me like the way. He no, no. Here's the thing. Round. He was not gloating. He was had nothing but good things to say about everyone. He said, yeah, they had a bit of a lead, and we came back in the end. Yeah, but uh, He destroyed me on overtime. But again, that's Jerry, and he's good at it. And uh, Like I said, it worked. He was just – when the, the happiest moment of Jerry's round, when I, when I hit that ball sideways into the woods, like he'd been quiet for a couple of holes because they were struggling, and, you know, I know Jerry didn't want to lose. The glee in his face – because I hit not only we had to play that ball out of the woods, and it was like in a hole about six feet. It looked like a grave, like one of those shallow graves you see in serial killer movies. And and Odog had to hit it out of there. And he was just in such glee at watching us struggle. But he's he's good at the chirp. He's good at it. But it is like a gnat around your head. That's what yeah. I felt like for four and a half hours. Because from every moment when I pulled the club out of the bag to the second I hit the ball. Jerry was in my ear. I, uh, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. First time Jay and I met him, we were doing a sportsman's dinner. I think you've hosted it before in, um, in Nova Scotia. It was in Halifax. And they had like Roberto Alomar. They had Jerry D. They had Jeremy Roenick. They had um, Walter Gretzky. Jerry Slate, he threw out his script after hearing everyone speak and just carved Walter Gretzky for the entire event. And Jerry says to this day, it's like probably one of the best stand-up gigs he's ever done. And we were there to witness it. I've never seen so many people near tears. What is yeah. that sound? We can keep this. We're not. You sure? Are going to be my charger? Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe the sound was bouncing off of it. Here, let's let me take it off again, and I uh... know uh, we're not cutting any of this out because <laughs> moments like these, you probably feel the same, where you have to set up your camera at home, and I just want to be back in the studio. I just yeah, want to be back. We, uh, Bob and I, got to do the uh, Bob's Draft Ranking Show, and then we did the draft lottery coverage, and it was so nice. Uh, it was. 
you you forget, you know, you get into the day-to-day mix of things and you don't appreciate. It was just so nice to sit at that desk and to have the camera guys there and to, uh, it was, you're right. It's, you know, this was okay for a while, but (laughs) uncle, uncle. Yeah. Because we have professionals who set the cameras, the lighting, the microphones. Here, like we we show up and go on set and we're ready to go in five minutes. Here, I, it takes half an hour to set everything up. No, Enough. I know, and, and I'm not good at it. We, we, I've talked about this on our pod. I'm a technical disaster, so if anything goes askew, I'm pretty much screwed. But <laughs> and and the other thing is just putting on the suit. You and I, I think I talked about this with you and Jay last time I was on your pod when this thing, whole thing started. It's just so ridiculous. I'm sitting here in shorts and bare feet and I have to put on the dress shirt and the jacket. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane. Uh, you anyway, still, can we talk a little the, more about your hair and beard? Just right. spectacular. In the first days of this, I would wear a full suit while taping this. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't do that anymore. Okay, so my hair, uh, my appointment's booked July 9th. Right at uh, the hair uh, salon here down the street, so I'm growing until then, and the COVID beard is going until we return to studio. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. I started and said I wasn't going to shave until uh, there was a playoff game in the National Hockey League, and then about a month into my beard, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, "Yeah, you're going to shave now because you look like an idiot." Oh yeah, my mom is very upset. She's like, "Will no, you shave?" kind of wear it you're amish but (laughs) hey james um put a percentage on the nhl returning to play give us your percentage of chances i I went from 25 percent in the first few weeks of the crisis when everything looked so awful to 60 percent when things you know maybe may when the NHL seemed committed and they outlined their plans and all the hub cities were interested and it seemed like things were getting a, a little bit under control to, and now I'm at a solid 40 or something. I just think, I just think there's just so many hurdles to go over. And if you read Frank Saravalli today, you know, now the, the whole CBA thing is coming into it where if they don't have a CBA deal, then, then they're not going to do it. And so now they're 350 million or something like that apart. So uh, the, the States is such a mess that as we're taping this now, it looks like Toronto and Edmonton are going to be the hub cities, which I've been saying for a couple of weeks is the only solution. There's no way you can go to Vegas. You can't go to any of those American markets right now. So that's a, that's a positive because I think we're so far ahead of the States, but Danny, I don't know, man. I just think that it's we're still so fraught with uh, danger over the next few weeks with all these teams and their towns and with the labor negotiations. I flip a coin, I guess. I think I said forty, probably maybe fifty-fifty. I mentioned this on the the TV show tonight. When your city, if you live in the city that's awarded a hub city status, you got to make T-shirts and stuff. Like Edmonton won't be the city of champions anymore. It'll be Edmonton Hub City. <laughs> And Hub City's kind of a cool name. Like, yeah. No, I live in Hub. <laughs> and a you'd hub. say, hey, my, it's like uh, my dad's Anything. stronger than your dad. You can say, hey, my city's a Hub City. What's yours? Nothing. <laughs> but it is so stupid, the sort of the pride about the Hub Cities thing, because they've done studies that say that it's not, that's not going to have a massive economic impact. You're, as a fan watching the game at home, you could live two blocks from the arena. It's no different than if it was there 
somewhere in Oklahoma. So it, it's all kind of silly, but I want to see it. I want to see it for our business. I want to see it for hockey fans. I think a lot of hockey fans don't care at this point. And would, you know, as you get deeper into summer, I think people are like, let's just wait till next year. But it is important. I think it's important for some sort of general normalcy for all of us. I think that we were at sea games like that, as weird as they'll be. So I really hope they pull it off, Dan. But I think it's an absolute crapshoot like anything else is right now. And, yeah, there's so much to be figured out. And the players' mental health. We had Fred Van Vliet on our show um, yesterday. And he talked about, man, we have... We have no freedom of movement. These guys might go stir crazy because if you make it to the Stanley Cup final and if a team makes it to the NBA final, you're in the hub for like 70 plus days. I think that the hardest part will be maybe the, the, the second round. And that sounds crazy, but I think by like week three, guys will be going stir crazy. If you get to the final four and particularly the final two, now all eyes... I, let's say the final four. Now you have a 25% chance at the Stanley Cup. And I think players will be able to focus on that and say, okay, this is worth the sacrifice for another month if we have a chance at the Stanley Cup. But, you know, mid-second round, you still don't know if you're going anywhere. You've been away from your family three and a half weeks, a month or whatever. Uh, it's going to be a real test to guys as to whether – I don't th- – could you do it? Could Forget the Stanley Cups on the line. If they said we just had to quarantine at TSN to broadcast for two months. I, I, anyway, you, you got a baby, too. So that's a whole different story. But I don't know that I could do it. Okay, but here's the thing. I could do it because I love nice hotels. If I was in a really nice hotel, I right. could do it. I could. I, I, no, I don't care how nice the hotel is. After about two weeks, I want the hell out of there. Kind of like the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, except you're never in your hotel at the Olympics, except for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's your percentage. You put it at 60? Olympics, by the way, in Vancouver, a little sidebar story. First time I uh, I knew that uh, Jay and his lovely, uh, my wife, Choby, were ever <laughs> dating. Because my wife. Jay and I were working opposite shifts and we never saw each other. But we found out like midway through the Olympics, we were in the room next to each other. And the reason I found that out is, like, I was coming home from a shift at, like, 4 a.m. or going to a shift at 4 a.m. And Jay was coming home or whatever it was. And he was with Choby. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> now they're married and have two beautiful children. Yes. And they gave me the, uh, uh, a, a bottle steamer for the baby. They're giving oh, me all the, ba- the baby stuff. How is the baby? Little you got open? a baby. I got a puppy. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> you want me to get the puppy for you? Yeah, let's see the puppy. Is this on YouTube? I don't know. Oh, it will be. <laughs> okay, he's coming back. He's coming back with said dog. He's go- oh my goodness. So, like, first of all, wow, come on, that is the cutest dog I've ever seen. So he's very cute. His name's Hugo. But as a, uh, anybody who overlaps and listens to Rubber Boots knows, I talked about this. But Dan, first of all, three dogs is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. We'll take them. Uh, and it is like, it's, it's not like having a baby. Like you can't put the baby on the floor in the crate and then leave. But, uh, well, you could. Um, <laughs> but it is like you have to watch the puppy like all the time because he just pees like 28 times. Wait, that dog, that huh? dog like has human eyes. Yeah, he's got these beautiful blue eyes. He's very handsome. 
You go Good. to the neighborhood, but but uh, that's my friend Dan and my friend Christoph. You go, but it is it is a it is a ton of work, and I love him to death. And uh, he is super super sweet and super funny and hilarious. But holy crap, I forgot. So all you people that got puppies during COVID, uh, first of all, I hope you all keep them and don't give them back because that was I was worried about because a lot of people just got them because they were bored. Uh, but man, it's it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work. Now it's not a baby, Dan. I, I really yeah. You have the pee pee pads all over the house, right? Yeah, but it doesn't. This is what this dog does. I take him out. Oh, he's got to go pee. Take him out. He's on the lawn. Put him back in. Drop him down. Pee two seconds later. <laughs> I I had a puppy way back when who once chewed and destroyed a brand new pair of eyeglasses that I had just got because they oh, yeah. chew everything. Yeah, they. Uh, my, my wife has, uh, Brooksy has like these two white couches, also famous from the rubber boots pod. Cause I spilled a big glass of wine on them. Uh, the puppy has started chewing on the back of the couches. So that's, that's gone over real well. Oh, and the and dogs. All trying to, we're, we're trying to get away somewhere too. Look, we're not going to get to Turks and Caicos or anywhere this summer. The family always likes to take a big family vacation. So we're looking at, you know, Maybe you get a cottage for a week or you go somewhere for a couple of days, Niagara on the lake or something. So you go on the VRBO and okay, you know, a hundred uh, availabilities come up and then you put it, then you check the pets thing and it goes from a hundred to two, you know, like a heartbeat. Hey, Death, hey, look huh? at you. So I'm in my backyard. Why don't you um, rent my place in Orno and have an Orno getaway? Are you on VR, VRBO? Would you stay around? Would you be like the... Would it be more like a B and B environment? Well, you can hire me as your butler. <laughs> Not with that hair; it would terrify the puppy and the girls. Well, I cook a mean steak. I make some great eggs in the morning. My sandwiches are off the charts. Like I had a sandwich today. I've never once been able to make a sandwich and sit down with it before having a bite. My sandwiches are that good. No, I think, you know, I envy what you've done. You've had years of single life, and I have not had those, and I am a terrible cook. My wife doesn't even trust me. I'm just getting good with the barbecue now. I'm barely a man, frankly, Dan. <laughs> and, but I'm not a good cook at all, and that's one of the things that uh, when COVID happened, I said, okay, I'm going to learn to be a good cook, and I haven't even done anything. I will um, teach you, while you're here renting my house, how to make the easiest dinner ever, pea meal pasta. You, you cut up the pea meal into cubes and stuff and put it with pasta with a bit of Parmesan. The saltiness from the pea meal with the pasta, it's like, oh. I'm in. Do you know how to cook pea meal? I, I thought about you on the weekend because I was driving back. We took Hugo on a little tour of uh, Napanee and Wilton to see all the in-laws. And uh, I was on the big 407 or the maybe it was the 115. And it said like it had the Orno was right on the sign there. Or maybe on the 401, is there an Orno sign on there? Peterborough Orono. Yep. And you didn't come by? I'm six minutes from that exit. Buddy, I've been on the road for like 18 hours. This is what we did. I got up at 7 o'clock in the morning. You go to the cottage and you see one grandma. Show her the dog for two hours. You drive down to Kingston. You show the other grandma the dog. Uh, my wife's parents are split, so you got to go see the, the grandfather with the dog. And we got friends in Prince Edward County. This is all in one day. Did you pick I up any wine? Left for Orono stuff. Did you pick up any wine in Prince Edward County? Uh, we drank. Uh, we we drank. Well, my wife mostly drank. She was <laughs> loaded on the way home. <laughs> uh, but they drank a beautiful bottle of white. I was uh, I was the driver. 
I will admit to having a sip, but uh, not much more than that. Oh, you really upset me. My cousin, she was on her way to Ottawa today, and she takes Highway 7, so she stopped in, and she dropped me off a record of um, the best calls in Hockey Night in Canada history, and it starts with the theme song, We Bought, our company bought, and it's just, it makes you miss hockey so much, and Foster Hewitt's on there, and yeah, he's magical. Yeah. Bob Cole, Chris Cuthbert, Jimmy Houston, all those guys. Uh, it's true, buddy. We need, like, we, I, I've enjoyed the golf, uh, the one when, not when I'm playing, but I've enjoyed watching the golf, even though it's kind of weird without the fans. And when Dustin Johnson wins and doesn't care, it's a little goofy. But give me, give me some hockey. Give me some football, some basketball, mostly hockey, but give me something. I know it's not a priority, but I think all of us collectively need something to sit in front of the TV and watch. I've gone through Netflix. I got nothing left, buddy. I'm watching this terrible Chris Evans thing that started hey. good and is awful right now. Okay, here's a show to watch. Started tonight, and it's on Crave. Um, great streaming service that we own. Um, it's called Detroiters. Have you ever seen it? Okay. okay. No, I have not, but I know you love Detroit. It's, it's the best show that was not renewed after two seasons that's ever been made. Detroiters on Crave. Tim Robinson is maybe the funniest guy um, so in the history it's of comedy. comedy. Yes. It's about two guys that run an ad agency in Detroit and they make like mom and pop commercials and they're horrible and everything goes wrong all the time. All right. I'm in, buddy. Okay. Um, very restless. Well, put the dog down. Yeah, I'm going to take him back. Hold on a second. But now I have to interrupt the podcast again. That's fine. We got time. He's not coming back. <laughs> That's a nice chair. That's an expensive looking chair. What do you think the price of that chair is? I'm going to say 3500 After Duffy sat in it, at least. That's a game-worn chair. Four grand, I say. Duffy, how much is that leather chair? How much is that leather chair? I'm saying 3500 I don't remember. Yeah, uh, right. Probably restoration hardware, so it's probably about twelve grand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh, so I mentioned my uh, my cousin Maggie, um, who is here on her way to Ottawa or on her way to the cabin, but she is originally from Ottawa, the biggest Sens fan in history. Eugene, just sell the team. Ah, <laughs> uh, Eugene. Uh... She she was she started talking about it. And her anxiety level, I could feel. Yeah, I, you, you get that a lot in Ottawa, but uh, is, uh, supposedly I, signing bonuses are due July first, and they they don't know if he's going to pay them. Look, the there is, I think, zero argument that the Senators fan base. Uh, I, I've said this for like two years, the better part of two years, that you know, Mr. Melnick can uh, defend his actions. I had a long call with him last year after I uh, said something on the air that he wasn't happy about. And, uh, you know, he, he makes some valid points, I think. Um, but the problem is this, is that once that relationship is severed, like you can all hate your owner or dislike your owner for something they will do. But at a certain point in time, right or wrong, the relationship was severed between the fan base and the owner. Yeah. And you can't you can't fix it. And I still think now some people will say winning will fix it. And, you know, maybe it, perhaps that's through winning. The whole thing of winning cures everything. Maybe. 
But I, I'm kind of with with you. I, I think for you know the good of the city, the good of the franchise, the good of I, I wish he would sell just because I think I love that city and I think it needs a fresh start that way. But you can't, you know, he owns the team and he can do what he wants with it. And I will say this: the one he has sort of stayed out of things um, a little. I think I probably said it to him right on the phone. I said the best thing you could do is not is just sort of disappear for a while. Right. You, you think that you're treated unfairly and that's fair. I'm not here to argue that, but you need to, whether you're treated unfairly, whether they're wrong, you're wrong, whatever, you need to disappear and not do interviews and not say things. And he sort of did, did that, I think, for the most part for the last year and a half. But again, uh, and you know, some of the trades that were made, like, you know, a lot of the heat you got for the Carlson trade, the Carlson trade looks pretty darn good now when you consider what they got. But yeah, it's just fractured, and the, the way that staff moves in and out of there, the way that people come in and get fired three months later, and and they just only- they just lost their video guy, the guy who was making, yeah. the, he was the best uh, social media guy in the NHL. Yeah, so that uh, yeah, they did fantastic stuff w- with social media. So, like I said, I just I don't people accuse me of being a Sens fan. I'm really not. I don't. My mom is. My dad was before he passed away, and so. For them, I hope that the Sens won, but I really don't care. But I, I care about the city, and I care about the fan base, and I don't want that team to leave. So uh, they need something. They could use a fresh start, definitely. Duffy, lucky, luckily we already saw your dog during this, because the so we know you're holding up a dog toy, because it does not look like a dog toy at times. It could be something else. <laughs> Maybe it yeah. is. Maybe. Yeah, sorry about that. Don't take it out of context, uh, <laughs> screenshot or anything here. Stop. Uh, uh, hey, I um, this is gonna be a quick podcast. We're gonna wrap up here soon. Um, I mentioned this on the show tonight because uh, Leo Messi scored his 700th goal, and I said, "Who are the most famous, recognizable athletes in the world?" And here are my three. I said LeBron, Ronaldo, and Messi. Would you have three different ones, or would you agree with those three? I would agree because I think. You know, football is universal, uh, soccer. Um, and so you could probably make an argument worldwide that... Uh, Tiger Woods, like, I guess. Tiger Woods could be a fourth in there. I think Tiger Woods in, certainly in Tiger Woods' prime, was the most famous athlete on the planet. I sort of think it went Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. Uh, I don't... I can't... Certainly there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a hockey player. I mean, Tom Brady, I guess, would be... The only one that you could make an argument for to an extent, but I don't know if you go to to South America, is Tom Brady, you know, does, does Tom Brady walks down the streets in Paraguay? No. Does he get noticed? No. Where Messi and Ronaldo and probably ten other footballers would, right? Those three so, guys I named, they walk around anywhere in the world, they get noticed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who would be the most recognizable hockey player? Because I know someone who went on a, a trip with Ovechkin to China because they're trying to grow the game there. He walks through the crowdest, crowdedest, most crowded market in the city they were in. Not a single person bats an eye. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be Sid. Uh, but again, the hockey players are just hockey players can go almost anywhere. Like they can walk around any time out of their own market and not get noticed because they're just, you know, they're all 5'11 and have, you know, normal ass faces. You know, PK is probably one of the more recognizable. Yeah. Just because he's got such a outsized personality. But 
I don't think hockey players, you know, as much as we'd like to defend it, Gretzky is probably still the most recognizable hockey player in the world, right? Like, if you were to go to China, there's way more chance that Wayne Gretzky is going to get recognized than, than somebody else. Uh, and you like, tried to murder him once. <laughs> I made a book out of it, Danny. <laughs> hey, did I hear correctly and see on social media, you have another book coming up? Thank you, Dan. Uh, yes, I have a book <laughs> called uh, Beauties, uh, Hockey's Greatest Untold Stories. Also, a podcast uh, coming out in the fall, which uh, was certain Christoph Mamona will be producing brilliantly again. Um, and yeah, so I basically, Dan, in a, in a nutshell, my favorite part of the gig all these years is sitting next to the guys on the panel watching the games. And, you know, you get guys like Torts and all our guys, O-Dog and Mike Johnson and Noodles and everybody. And half the time the games we have on are boring and where they're do these guys are just telling stories and like usually guys write an autobiography and there's like five good stories in there, but then you have to go through all the crap about their childhood and all this stuff. And so I wanted to write a book that was just the stories. So, you know, just the kind of stuff you could eat, you can digest on the can in three minutes and then read another one. And so I basically contacted 50 players some of the greatest players in the game, Crosby, McDavid, or Gretzky, but also some great storytellers like Noodles and Kelly Chase and guys like that, and just said, tell me your favorite hockey story. I don't care if it's a crazy game or something that happened at a bar. Just tell me your favorite hockey story. And so that's what the entire book is. And, Who uh, had the best story? Man, that's... Uh, I'm going to have to come up with an answer to that question because when I do press for this book, they will ask me. I have tons of favorites. Uh... I mean, Noodles is such a great storyteller. He has two awesome ones. Um, Kelly Chase has some amazing Brett Hall stories. You want me to tell one uh, one Brett Hall story from Chaser yeah. that's in the book? Yeah. So, Holly and Chaser ran shotgun with each other for six years, right? Uh, roommates out on the road back in the day when players really went out on the road. And... Uh, so one night, Chaser, for whatever reason, I think he was in his old hometown visiting family. He didn't go out, and Holly went out. It was after a game. And uh, so Holly comes back, stumbles back into the room at 3 a.m. or whatever, and Chaser, he wakes Chaser up. But Chaser doesn't let on that he's awake because he knows that Holly's been drinking, and if he knows he's awake, he'll be up the whole night because Holly will want to talk. So Chaser's pretending he's asleep. And Holly is trying to take off his sock, but he gets his hand caught in his sock. So he's bouncing around the room, and then he falls headfirst into the TV. So, and Chaser says there's enough light in the room, you know, like Holly's turned on the bathroom light when he walked in so he can sort of see all this. So Holly gets up and he's like, ah, <laughs> ah. And he goes into the bathroom and there's a mirror on the door so Chaser can see into the bathroom and Holly's got this big bump right over on his head He's like swearing. So then he comes back out and he decides to try to do like a, to fall backwards onto his bed, spread eagle, like starfish. And he misses the bed <laughs> and goes off to the side by the wall and like, and hurts his ankle. So now he's like, ah! And Chaser's like <laughs> killing himself laughing, right? In, in bed, try not. So he gets up in the morning. They're supposed to, they have to go to practice the next day. They're on the road. And Chaser tries to wake up Holly, can't wake him up. So he gets in the shower, comes out and says, Haas, we got to go. We got to go. So Holly gets out of bed and he's like, oh, he feels his head and feels his ankle. And he's like, I can't practice today. 
I took a high stick to the head and I blocked the shot last night. <laughs> <laughs> and Chaser's like, you idiot. You didn't take a high stick or block a shot. You caught your foot caught in the sock coming into the room. Anyway, so uh, much better in print when Kelly tells it. But, I uh, love it. The book how do you, stuff. The how do you get your stuff. hand caught in a sock? <laughs> yeah, have you ever done that when you're trying to hobble and you're... Your foot gets cut. You try to take the take the sock off. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, good times. It's uh, it's it, it's a fun book. I think you'll like it. When's this book out? That'll be out in the fall. If people are still buying books or bookstores open, I don't even know. Is this Amazon, book number? Maybe. Is this book number three or four? Book number four, if you count the one I wrote with Brian Gore. Probably the last book. I got to tell you, man. Books. Sorry, I know Jay has said this to you before. Man, they're a lot of damn work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I said, one day I'll put out a pamphlet. <laughs> I would read your book in a heartbeat, Dan. <laughs> I, to me, you're one of the most interesting men alive, especially with this look. Uh, the last month alone, I can write seven books. Why do you have a toy plane? <laughs> you were making fun of my dog toy. Why do you have a toy plane? Um, this used to be on my uh, d the front of my daughter's bike, and it had a little oh. propeller that uh, twirled uh, when it, the wind went through it, and it was just sitting here. Oh, oh, got these frozen. What, what a pose to be frozen in, though. Oh, well, we're we're wrapping up anyway. James, if you can hear us, thanks for coming on the podcast, buddy. Uh, buy James' book, uh, Beauties. It's out this fall. Christoph takes a picture of that screen grab. Um, well, that was fun. Uh, I don't think we have anything else to cover, do we? Eat McDonald's. It's great. They sponsor this podcast. Absolutely. I had a Big Mac combo last night with a root beer and a junior chicken on the side. Delicious. Delightful. Ah, uh, stuff. It's been fun, buddy. Always is. See you next week. Bye bye. Third hole.
You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up. And he's like profusely sweating. <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us. He goes, hello. I am not well. I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.